This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond a million square feet of cultivation space, CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some blunt business with your host. Let's go with another blunt business here on CannabisRadio.com. Thank you again for joining us. Two years ago, I talked to this very company about insurance, and we have the pleasure of having these folks back, and here they are. They represent the fourth largest privately held full-service global insurance brokerage in the world. It's almost like they say diabolical because it's like the biggest in the world. No, I'm just kidding. They provide risk management, insurance, employee benefits, retirement, and wealth management products and services. They are one of the first insurance brokerages to develop a specialty in cannabis. And with that said, back in 2019, we got to talk to the, the folks at Hub International as they were making their entrance into the cannabis industry. And I'm happy now to speak with the Chief Sales Officer of Cannabis Insurance and Risk Services, Jay Verdi, and the Senior Vice President of Hub International Tucson, Jim Clements. Jay and Jim, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us, Jorge. It's an honor. Hey, my pleasure. I want to run through some insurance riddle issues. We don't get a whole a lot of chance to go and talk about this on the program, but the one thing that was definitely brought up when we haven't had a chance to talk about, but it's very important. We, I mean, talk about Safe Banking Act and, of course, the full-scale legalization efforts that are being presented now uh, by Congress uh, to the Senate and Senate Democrats making their way to try to make that happen. So one of the issues is a bipartisan group of U.S. senators, uh, Senator Rand Paul, Republican Kentucky, Robert Menendez, Democrat New Jersey, Jeff Merkley, Republican Kentucky, recently introduced the Clarifying Law Around Insurance of Marijuana Act or CLAIM Act. This proposed legislation is intended to encourage insurance for members of the cannabis industry operating in compliance with state and local law. Therefore, this would prohibit federal agencies from penalizing or discouraging a, can a company in the business of insurance from transacting with cannabis-related businesses that are operating in compliance with state and local law. So there are points that you made about this. Uh, your team said that the Claims Act would allow cannabis businesses to fully operate just as any other legal small business would be by permitting insurance companies to provide coverage without the risk of pre federal prosecution. Businesses in legal states would have access to products and services such as workers' comp, 
property casualty and title insurance. So as your team puts it, the insurance market is hardening and it needs creative new ways to create new revenue streams. So Jared, Jim, I'll leave this point to you. From a top level view, expand on what some of those new revenue streams need to be or the new uh, creative ways to create those streams. Yeah, so for the SAFE Act and the Claim Act, let's just start there. If passed, the, the duo will provide a safe harbor for financial institutions and insurance companies seeking to service cannabis businesses without the threat of federal penalties. So it's, it's a game changer. It's a very giant leap in the right direction, in the forward direction to federal legalization. So until now, few insurance carriers were really willing to write policies or entertain anything in the cannabis space. Um, me as an advocate for the cannabis industry and in negotiating with insurance markets for four or five years now in my insurance career, have heard all of the excuses. Lack of long tail data. Oh, this industry is too new. It's too volatile. The stigma or the dogma based on the reputational risk from an investor or public relations perspective. And the main thing, federally, it's illegal. So we can't do it. There's reinsurance treaty exclusions. Um, there's people that we are not in partnership with that are willing to entertain such risks. So, you know, this is something that would really be a game changer as far as opening up the market and allowing insurance companies to legally transact in this space. So from a revenue stream perspective, Jorge, when we talk about uh, the insurance market hardening, there are cycles, there are peaks and valleys. Sometimes insurance is very affordable, cheap, and very competitive. And sometimes it can get very expensive, lack of capacity, and even less and less players involved in providing capacity. So with the hardening market in general because of inclement weather, the pandemic, so many volatile things that are happening in this world, cannabis is already very so restrictive. So it's kind of a double whammy when it comes to the hardening market. Now, one of my pitches to insurance carriers are, if you're struggling in certain areas where the overall insurance market is hardening, this burgeoning cannabis industry might be something that is worth considering as a new revenue stream as somewhere where you can make a little bit of money as a first innovator and a first mover. And I must admit, the fact that this act is also being brought in in conjunction with the Safe Banking Act and total legalization as well, whether it's a state's act or if it's some kind of a decriminalization, whichever it is decided, it's, it's good that there's actually some forethought. And I'm not sure who's actually, how much responsibility has been from which lobbying efforts within the industry has been able to get this pushed across. But again, uh, the other thing that always concerns me is the fact that do you ever and this is a really a side question. Do you feel like of the new lobbying efforts that have come out? And I've talked about this on the program about how you have new lobbying efforts, the C CPIR, the uh, Coalition of Economic uh, Cannabis Economic Policy and uh, Re Regulation. They have big alcohol and big tobacco involved in into what's happening now. That kind of injection of capital into the politicians' pockets. You know, that's the one thing to get it across the finish line. But then the other important part is to make sure that all the everything is every dot, every I's dotted, T's crossed in terms of financial security, insurance risk, all those areas that are being encompassed into this as well. So at the same time, I mean, do you feel any concern about the lobbying efforts being done to help persuade what could be left out, what could be brought in and that you feel like? Do you feel comfortable that we're, all the things that we're looking for, all the demands were, that are wanting to be met, are they going to get 
uh, are they going to come to light? Do you feel like we're going to that they might actually come to fruition? You make a great point there, Jorge, where big food and beverage, big tobacco and big pharma in cannabis's infancy have really been kind of deterring the industry from from growing. Right. right now that the train has left the station, whatever analogy you want to use, now they're all clamoring to invest in it and making sure that they invest in the right companies. When all the dust settles, there's going to be all of those aforementioned industries wrapping their arms around the cannabis industry. So, you know, call me an optimist, call me biased when it comes to advocating for the insurance and the cannabis industry. I feel eventually that we will get there. You know, Canada has been federally legal for year three going into year four now. Uh, Mexico has fully legalized as well. There are several countries in Europe that are not only legalized, but also entertaining the fact of recreational legalization. And the U.S. is, is just primed for federal legalization. Now, whether it takes a few years, whether it takes four years or the next eight years, eventually this will happen. Yeah. So I want to now move into the goal of the Claim Act. According to Rand Paul, when he talked about this, he said it was to stop legitimate businesses from being shut out of obtaining basic business protections. And the areas that you have pointed out are insurance products. So under the act, cannabis businesses would be permitted full and legal access to insurance products such as workers' compensation, property, casualty, and title insurance. And currently, state-authorized cannabis businesses are often denied access to the insurance market because the businesses could be prosecuted or face penalties under the Controlled Substance Act of federal law. Policy limitations they also have as well. Supervisory actions, which according to Biz. Uh, the federal government wouldn't be able to take adverse or corrective supervisory action on a policy to an owner or operator of a business or real estate or equipment that is leased to a cannabis-related business solely because they're engaged with a cannabis or cannabis-related business. Therefore, the Claim Act represents a big step for cannabis-related and ancillary businesses and would enable them to more easily access insurance-related products that up until this point have been denied to them. So, Jay, go ahead and help me with these points that are being laid out here. You know, again, because of the nuances of the cannabis industry and because it is federally illegal, there is a reluctance to deploy capacity by insurance markets and reinsurance markets. They don't want to get into any hot water. They don't want to get into any trouble. And they'd rather just take a wait and see approach. Let's face it, Jorge, the insurance industry is very reactionary, very slow to move. In fact, I read a very interesting article that in the next five to 10 years, the insurance market will change so dramatically that it has changed in the last 100 years. So it's definitely primed to be, uh, you know, evolutionary as far as changing, as far as being innovative and, and really being, you know, taking a proactive approach. So that's one. Now there's very limited markets out there. I can only probably name a few on my hand as far as markets that are willing to participate in providing insurance in the cannabis arena. It's a very specialized play when it comes to providing capacity in this game. Now, once the Claim Act and the SAFE Act have passed, this again will be a very giant leap forward for insurance carriers uh, to really provide capacity in the marketplace, right? There'll be a little bit more comfort level when it comes to the whole legal issue of it. And you know, with the SAFE Act and the Claim Act, e even if it is passed, there's still going to be a very steep learning curve industry-wide because it's so new because of the lack of long-tail data the financial services and insurance vendors really don't understand the risk and liabilities of cannabis operations right now many of them are very interested in the space 
uh, the ones that are very proactive in learning about the space will be successful. And the other ones are going to be a little bit left behind and a little bit late to the race. So before I go to break, I want to make one point that's very important. I want to talk to uh, really take a quote from one of our show hosts. Uh, he hosts uh, the NCRMA or the National Cannabis Risk Management Association's Chronic Risk Podcast, uh, Rocco Petrilli. Uh, one of the things that was brought up here uh, when it comes to the issues of insurance and one quote he was given where I actually asked him about it on Blunt Business this past December. I thought this was a point just worth repeating here as we go to break. Quote, a key impact on the cannabis industry and those who work to insure cannabis companies is the broad recognition that cannabis is a legitimate, mainstream, and essential business. They may be worth the risk of insuring. However, larger scale admitted carrier participation in the industry still likely won't happen until federal legalization or broader federal protections such as the Safe Banking Act are passed. End quote. I thought it was very sound to bring it right there into the conversation. We're going to talk about SPACs. Again, special purpose acquisition companies, uh, doing a little stock uh, working myself. I, get, I know a little bit of familiarity to it, but I want to make sure that people know the importance of SPACs right now in the cannabis space. We're going to go ahead and talk about that and the big market that is SPACs with Jay Verdi, Chief Sales Officer, Cannabis Insurance and Risk Services, and Jim Clements, who is Senior Vice President of Hub International Tucson, both with Hub International. Back after a short break after this. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet take-anywhere treat. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. We're back here with Jay Verdi and Jim Clements with Hub International here on Blunt Business. I want to go and take a report that recently came out from Green Market Report. And Jim, I hope to get you involved in the conversation with this here. Now, hundreds of millions of dollars have been raised for cannabis-focused SPACs, S-P-A-Cs, or Special Purpose Acquisition Companies, over the past year, making them the hot ticket in 2020. I can say that I uh, got into this because of uh, – 
There was one company called Lancadia Holdings, which is now Golden Nugget Online Gaming. And Tillman Fertitta, who's one of the big CNBC All-Stars, has always shown on television there, owns the Houston Rockets, among other projects. So a big-name entrepreneur put his name on this company holding other projects, including gaming, which is one of those neat spaces, much like cannabis. So add to that the celebrity names that are attached to some SPACs, and you can see the attention they are getting. SPACs draw a lot of focus, but does it make sense for the average investor to join in on them? Some context they give as well. While it seems like SPACs just appeared on the scene, the instruments have been around for some time, and they were popular right before the financial crisis. Hard to say if history will repeat itself. After that, the popularity of SPACs faded somewhat and made a big comeback in 2020, 2019, just 59 SPACs were launched. 2020, 248 SPACs were started, making up the 50% of the total IPO volume in the year. Now, your team at Hub makes the point that SPACs need to be insured. So of those, how many of those are in the cannabis or have any cannabis-related investments and the importance of those? Yeah, Jorge, while more than $3 billion in cannabis SPACs launched between 2019 and, and 2021, mm -hmm. the SPAC trend has exploded as of late. And, and most recent high-profile cannabis SPAC deals were, more th were worth more than $2 billion each, Silver Spike Acquisition Corp and Submersive Capital Acquisition Corp. And to date, the Hub team has had over 20-plus, I would say 25-plus SPAC acquisition deals when it comes to providing DNO insurance to protect their operations. So it's definitely something that has been exploding. And it's really interesting how Hollywood and Wall Street and sports entertainment, as you have mentioned, is all really taking notice and participating in all of this. And it's also the fact that, you know, you it's a safer bet for some of these investors that might be qualified, but not uh, they're not educated investors. Yeah, SPACs, you know, have been compelling for sponsors. Uh, they can be a great fit for a target company looking to go public via a SPAC instead of the traditional IPO offering. But, you know, the, the risk to the average investor, you know, some perform well and some some not so well. Uh, I would say there's risk in, in, in anything as far as uh, I would say there is risk with any sort of investment. Well, yeah, that's a, a common disclaimer that's always said about the fact of that. So, Jay, we understand you know, the fact uh, the, the magnitude of SPACs, but again, let's go back to the question that I posed. Why do they need to be insured? Well, now more than ever, Jorge, it's uh, critical to have appropriate DNO coverage in place. You know, again, we mentioned the hardening market has caused underwriters to restrict coverage in certain ways and, you know, manifesting in material restrictions by carriers through ever-changing policy wordings is imperative you're aware of you know, how to navigate through all the landmines. And I call them landmines because uh, they're changing all the time. It depends on which underwriter you talk to, which insurance carrier you talk to. And, and obviously the worst thing than spending this super large premium is not having the policy work when needed, right? So, you know, in light of the increased risk and especially for cannabis companies that are already under so much regulatory scrutiny, having the right coverage for your SPAC is critical to protecting the deal you know, for those who are investing in it and those brokering it as well. 
your team also makes the point about needing DNO insurance, which you just mentioned now, for the period in which they will be searching for acquisition targets. It's pricey insurance and covering the risk is complex and even more difficult to get done on the cannabis space. DNO refers to directors and officers liability insurance, which protects the personal assets of corporate directors and officers and their spouses in the event they are personally sued by employees, vendors, competitors, investors, customers, or other parties. I can understand where that comes from individual versus the whole company as a whole. So, um, and that would be for actual or alleged wrongful acts of managing a company. So again, the liability of one person going off the reservation uh, for not for the good of the, of the whole company as a whole. So help me wrap around this type of insurance and the importance of this uh, and how you're able to go ahead and sell the idea of having both areas of risk covered. Yeah, you're right about the DNO coverage. You know, it helps shield sponsors and investors from uh, the risks. You know, all the risks that you mentioned, as well as claims of breach of duty, fairness, conflict of interest, or or even underperformance. Right? Any kind of allegations or claims. You know, you need a solid DNO insurance policy for the SPAC period, which you know aligns with the search period. And unlike traditional IPO coverage, policy terms are often offered up to two years, and it can be broken down into 18 month terms or, you know, plus a six month extension, creative ways to save premium, right? I mean, you have to make sure that you trust and partner with the experts in order to get the best coverage. And then also there's a tail coverage that I wanted to kind of mention as well is it's also pre-negotiated to cover claims against back brought after completion of a business combination. But, you know, it can be very prudent to look at alternative risk transfers and way to protect yourself with your DNO program, right? It's ultimately protecting not only your company's operations, but any decision makers that sit on the executive board. And, you know, sometimes you really can't SPAC without DNO coverage. So it's really important and imperative to make sure that your DNO policy is properly structured. And with that said, are is there any paperwork that also needs to be entailed if you need to go ahead and specifically lay out which directors and officers need to be insured? Uh, is there any proper paperwork that needs to be done to kind of cover liability? So let's say if there's any kind of uh, any moral code or anything of that nature where something that might be done where there's something of some kind of malfeasance or some kind of personal uh, thing they, that the person might have done to in order to go ahead and make sure the company's immune to it. Um, what kind of paperwork entails that? Yeah, it's, it's really important to frame the risk in a positive light, right? You know, not just... Uh, submitting an application and a prospectus, it, it's really kind of doing a deep dive in, you know, the reputational uh, risks that are involved with some of the decision makers, what their history is, how much uh, decision making power they do have, and how much experience is shared, not only from their previous lives, but also within the cannabis industry. And all that kind of puts a little bit of a positive light when it comes to underwriting this risk from an insurance perspective. And a lot of cash on hand helps out a lot too, right? You know, we yeah. want to make sure that the company is financially responsible. And if God forbid something happens as far as becoming insolvent, they'll be able to kind of handle that blow as well. So the DNO is probably one of the hardest coverages to come by right now, Jorge. And it's under a lot of scrutiny. I mean, the SEC is also taking uh, notice about, you know, this SPAC explosion as well. Yeah. They're changing a couple of the rules kind of as of late as well. So it's really important to stay on top of everything to make sure that you're well protected and your decision makers are well protected. Well, then also what I noticed too is with SPACs, they just can't be SPACs for long. They're going to have to either 
fold into another company or they're going to have to be divested in some way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's where uh, it gets a little tricky as well, too, to, to handle that transition where, you know, they're helping and assisting all of these private companies to become public offerings. But then what's next? It's not just one transaction. It's an ongoing relationship that you have to make sure that you have a long term plan to really, you know, offer that protection to the company and to the directors. Yeah, I get it. Oh, we're going to go back to another commercial break. Uh, when we come back, I want to go and talk more about SPACs. Uh, you know, courting cannabis startups to grant them cash and get them access into the public market and how this backdoor method could be listed with a get a punitive tax hit. So obviously the government wants to get their take of whatever is coming in of all this money coming in for insuring not just uh, the companies, but the directors officers themselves. We're going to talk about that. And also uh, the influx of new legalization in new states. We want to go ahead and find out what your thoughts are for those that want to get involved, either want to invest or start their own business, what they should be cognizant of. I'm again here with Jay Verde, chief sales officer, cannabis insurance and risk services, and Jim Clements, who is a senior vice president of Hub International in Tucson. And, of course, Jay is in the, in the Canadian branch for Hub International. We're going to come back with them after a short break. Stay with us. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back. I'm here with Jay Verde, Chase Sales Officer, Cannabis Risk and Insurance Services, and Jim Clements, Senior VP of Hub International and here on Blunt Business. So let's go ahead and move along now and talk about a story that's come out from Bloomberg Tax. They recently reported that Canadian SPACs, special purpose acquisition companies we talked about before the break, they're courting U.S. cannabis startups to grant them access to quick cash and the U.S. public market. But that backdoor method to getting listed, and I remember doing this where we talked about... uh, Oh, what was it called? Reverse mergers. In the almost kind of feels like the same kind of feel um, of just the ways of finding the way going through Canada to go ahead and get a, list, a company listed. And forget the whole story about how that all worked out. But um, anyways, there is this backdoor method that's being talked to about getting listed in the U.S. could come with a punitive tax hit. We talked about this on a previous episode, but now. It isn't legal for many cannabis companies to go public in the U.S. Living investors eager to cash in on the marijuana boom, no choice but to trigger, quote, an anti-abuse rule that could wipe out half of any future payout and drag future valuations. Yet several Canadian uh, SPAC companies are ready to deploy $1.9 billion in pursuit of U.S. cannabis companies and other entities, according to data from Viridian Capital Advisors. That's a lot of money cover grab from coming from North. So... 
Talk to me about the obstacles that could come from this. And for those that might look to go ahead and take some of this money and get into this backdoor method, as it's called. Yeah, SPACs, Special Purpose Acquisition Company or Blank Check Companies, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, is, is really the hottest investment trend of uh, 2021. And let's face it, the, the federal legalization hurdle in the U.S. is a big one, right? I mean, that's the big, huge challenge right here. Any U.S. plant-touching business, you're going to kind of have to go through Canada due to cannabis not being federally legal in, in the U.S., right? And, you know, the aforementioned claim and safe act would, would again, be a a giant step forward in, in, you know, adversing that whole step process, right? A lot of cannabis companies have a headquartered office in Canada because it's federally legal up here. Now, one of the things I want to ask about before I move along into another, I want to go ahead and move the conversation over in a little different direction. Uh, one of the things I was thinking about as well is the fact that, um, with insurance and for people that are looking to have their cannabis businesses where people are coming back to work, and the kind of insurance or risk that needs to be involved of letting people come back. Because that's even when I go right to the website, hubinternational.com, the first thing you see is about the, the idea of, you know, for those that are looking to go make their way back in and the kind of measures that need to be done for safety and for risk uh, for anybody coming back to work. Um, I wanted to get some comments on that so far and finding out what, what, uh, what are some of the things you're dealing with right now in terms of commercial and personal for those that are coming back into the workspace out of remote working? Yeah, it's all about education. And at Hub International, we take pride in our risk management team, our organizational resilience team that are really innovative and at the forefront of all of this, whether it's a vaccination protocol, a return to work protocol, or even if someone was, uh, you know, really even sick during the pandemic, how to kind of handle all those things. So really, it's all about, you know, employing that risk management proactively, right? So you got to have a plan to implement everybody back into the workforce. And hey, luckily, the cannabis industry was deemed as an essential service in many regions um, during this whole pandemic, right? So a lot of our clients, our future ideal clients, the cannabis industry, uh, was still open for business and still cultivating um, product uh, during this this really tumultuous time in this world. Yeah. One last question I want to go and ask you both. Um, we now know that New York, Virginia, and New Mexico are joining the list of states getting adult use legalization. So a lot of new market to cover. And there should be some guidance given to some of these entrepreneurs and people that want to be involved in business, cultivation, dispensaries, what have you, or in the medical space. Uh, what would you say to those entrepreneurs in newly legalized states and specifically because we're talking about in the U.S., uh, what they should consider when taking the plunge to investor break ground on a new business venture? Obviously, each state's going to have new implementation, new guidelines. Uh, talk to me what you know about what's happening in these new markets. Yeah, because of the fast-growing nature of the cannabis industry, it's easy for cannabis businesses to view risk management and insurance safeguards as kind of an afterthought. You know, you're really excited. It's a new venture. You want to get rolling and get your license and business up. But don't fall into this trap. You got to treat your cannabis business as you would any other venture uh, when building from the ground up or in a new emerging area. Start with the protection, uh, both safeguards available for purchasing insurance and and those based on your operations, which is risk management. So before I turn it over to Jim, I mean, you know, the three things that I, I would really kind of implement or want everybody to take away is, you know, employ risk management proactively, 
build out the right insurance coverage and definitely leverage your partner with the experts. And that goes for not only your insurance and risk management, but also your entire supply chain, whether it's a consultant, accountant, or lawyer, it's really important that you really align yourselves and engage with the experts. Jim, anything to add there? Yeah, I would agree with Jay. Just you know, don't look at insurance as a secondary item. You know, make sure you're partnering with a, a expert who knows the market and uh, can get to the correct carriers who have the capacity, as Jay mentioned earlier, to get the coverages you need. So when we were first introduced to Hub International in 2019, obviously the interest into the cannabis space was really uh, apparent at, the, at then. But again, Hub International is so much more. There's so many other different sectors you work on now. What I want to find out, and Jim, I want to point this to you, is uh, talking about the obstacles that have been brought in. Obviously, you have the capability of handling such a space as this. But again, how different, how uh, challenging a sector has it been to go ahead and incorporate cannabis insurance and risk management into what Hub International does? Yeah, I think uh, Hub has done a great job by building out the specialty for cannabis and getting the experts lined up to help the entrepreneurs uh, get what they need. Obviously, the markets and the uh, availability of carriers that will write the various coverages is limited, which poses a huge challenge for us all. Uh, but I think Hub International has done a great job of partnering with these folks. Jay has negotiated a lot of great contracts and deals that allow us to go out and secure the necessary coverage for these operators that they need uh, from the start moving forward. And then also the fact that um, the kind of compliance issues that come across with companies and what they have to do based on the Bureau of Control boards in their respective state or respective province. Um, is there anything that you give in terms of guidance at all to those companies to make sure that, that there's a certain level or a bar that needs to be met so that, again, is this something that you always instruct to always go above and beyond in compliance measures? Yeah, we always look at the, the, the policies to make sure that they are getting what they need uh, and they comply with you know, the, the local laws that are out there. Because um, there are a lot of policies that just are collecting premium and they don't actually cover anything. So we do a lot of work to make sure that we're partnering with the carriers that can offer the uh, coverage when the claims arise. And then also, as we're waiting for the Claims Act, we're waiting for the Safe Banking Act to be implemented or a full spread of legalization. Um, talk to me about how you see the market right now, with the, based on the clients you have how normalized the industry is right now, how prepared they are for a full transition to legalization once everything's put into place. Yeah, I mean, if everything is uh, put into place, I think like Jay said earlier, it could take years before some of our standard carriers jump in. Um, but I think once it's more regulated, there will be more opportunity for carriers to get in that uh, are not currently offering coverage. But that could be anywhere from a year to five years before they actually want to take that plunge. Because right now, a lot of them are honestly running from the, anything to do with cannabis. Because one of my things is that of the companies that you're working with, you know, the organization, the infrastructure they have, you know, how responsive they are. I mean, do you feel like the companies are at the level of organization and responsibility compared to what you work with in the other sectors within Hub International? How do they compare? Yeah, yeah I, can, I can chime in there. As far as uh, the cannabis industry goes, Jorge, they're clamoring for some sort of regulation, uh, you know, and I feel that 
uh, definitely the cannabis industry itself will will welcome that and it'll definitely explode because that interstate commerce is all going to start right right now they're really in prison to their own state and the way they're handling it i am a firm believer that there needs to be some kind of federal order to manage that business and kind of draw some lines in the sand as far as rules of engagement of how it's going to be regulated if the fda needs to step up um you know just to keep the quality compliance for uh the general population and the public right i mean there's got to be some kind of federal uh oversight of this and 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 it's only a matter of time before it does come i like to think that cannabis industry although it's very unique on its own it, it, it also takes from other industries as well right it's a little bit of the construction industry because there's a lot of building and facilities going on it's definitely a little bit of agriculture because there's a lot of growing happening it's definitely big pharma because you look at the medical side and then you look at the food and beverage and big tobacco so it's all of these industries but kind of rolled into one now with any industry you're going to have the you know individuals that want to start this just because they see the dollars or they want to get going and they think it's a big opportunity but they know nothing about cannabis they're just strictly business minded then you have you know our cannabis industry experts that are not really business minded have just been growing out of let's say their passion or because of their um history and experience so i feel that there is a marriage between the whole business savvy individuals and companies and the actual cannabis growers and purists and somewhere in the middle you're going to have the the industry leaders and then the other ones are going to kind of fizzle out that's that's how i would kind of explain it the other thing i want to ask him before we wrap things up is the interstate commerce issue about the fact you have ancillary businesses right now that are probably under the the umbrella of hub as clients and are you building out the initial infrastructure of what will be someday for those cannabis businesses once the uh, shackles are taken off that the interstate commerce issue can be addressed pretty quickly and that'll be an easy tr- transition to make do you think that's something that's already being created right now absolutely uh not only the interstate commerce that will be exploding locally but this is going to be big international business yeah you have countries like israel and uruguay and canada and mexico that are just really really motivated clamoring anticipating anxious about the us federal legalization and then we're just going to have a huge explosion and whether that's maintaining the volatility of a lot of more mergers and acquisitions and a lot of new entrants in the space i wish i had a crystal ball to tell you but it's a very exciting times for the cannabis industry and you know we're very excited to lead that industry into the next segment of it our competitors um <clears throat> you know really don't have a specialty practice group that's dedicated to the cannabis industry that's where i yeah. feel that hub differentiates itself as being pioneers and being innovative uh because you know we're really leaning into this and we're not covertly operating behind the scenes as some other entities are we're really being uh you know at the forefront of this prohibitionary evolutionary kind of time that we're living through the other thing i got to ask you just brought up a point is the fact that canada has been over the corner of the market on exporting cannabis. I've called them the OPEC of cannabis because they've been able to go again, able to go and export to South America or to Europe or you know whatnot. Once legalization hits here, how much of a dent can the US make in terms of being an import export? Huge. Huge. They're gonna be the 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 it'll, actual it'll take over what Canada's been doing, I'd imagine. I believe so, because if you look at the legacy black market, uh, you know, California and BC have been providing 
cannabis to all of North America, if not the world, uh, in, yeah. for many, many years now, right? So it just needs some kind of uh, leeway, federal order, organization, whatever you want to call it. Once that happens, North America, if not already, will be the industry leader and, and U.S. will be leading that charge for sure. So I want to go ahead and take a couple of minutes real quick to go ahead and talk about what you're doing at Hub International. Obviously, there's so much in terms of uh, the website is just it's a hub. There's just so much there. You have resources when it comes to coronavirus and so many issues when it comes to um, your services, HR, consulting, employee benefits, retirement, wealth management. We never get a chance to jump into that. There's just so much there of what you offer. So for those that are listening in, uh, whether it's for property, liability, workers' comp, owner's policies, so many different areas. The understanding about SPACs, the understanding about the legal the legislation is being, you know, being hopefully implemented. All this information, where's the best way to go, you know, what's the best way to go and reach out to your team at Hub International? Again, like we know the, the, the website is hubinternational.com, hubinternational.com. But when they get to talk to you, um, you know, how will they, when, when they get in touch with you, where can they go ahead and, who can they talk to about all these kind of questions? So with over, you know, 13,000 employees and 450 offices and growing across North America, uh, we'll have specialists and expertise in all of those regions, right? And for preliminary looking at contacting us, hubinternational.com slash cannabis is probably the best way to go to find the wealth of information that we continue to provide. We have an external seed to sale webinar series that helps to educate the cannabis industry on such topics as you have mentioned, Jorge, and you continue to do as well. And, you know, we'll be there, you know, when you're starting out as a new venture, or if you're a multi-state operator, or if you're in the middle of the pack, uh, we'll have the capabilities and the passion and the care to take care of you on your next journey. You let us do the worrying so you can focus on growing. There we go. I love the way you put that very succinctly. Uh, Jim, any closing thoughts you want to make here in terms of uh, for those that are working, uh, you know, with your team there in Tucson and uh, what you're doing, especially in the States, in terms of uh, offering guidance and offering services that cannabis businesses need, especially in a, especially in a state like Arizona that just also went adult use. Yeah, we're here to help. Uh, hopefully get to meet a lot of people here in Arizona and help them uh, at the inception of their business and, and share our expertise and help them grow their business and let us, like Jay said, worry about it so they can actually get back to their running their business. There we go. Thank you, gentlemen. I really appreciate you taking time out to talk to me again. I'm in here with Jay Verde, Chief Sales Officer, Cannabis Insurance and Risk Services for Hub International, and Jim Clements, who's Senior VP of Hub International Tucson. Thank you, gentlemen, for being here in Blunt Business. Thanks for all this great information. Always good talking to you, my friend. Take care, everyone. Thanks for having us. All the best. And thank you, listeners, for listening to the program. If you want more of this, you know, always, you know, feel free to reach out to me. Brasco, B-R-A-S-C-O at CannabisRadio.com. I want your feedback and commentary you have on some of these issues we have. If we need to talk more about insurance and risk management and the areas we're talking about here, because I think it's very important. And again, uh, there's only so many good experts I can find out there that can really come to the forefront. And I really appreciate the folks at Hub for coming back on the show after a short stint. And having you back on to talk about all these issues. And I obviously want to keep the door open for you to come on back. Fantastic. All right. With that said, listeners, thanks for listening in. We'll talk to you next time.
the opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.